Jonathan Nato, and I'm in historical New England. Hey, I'm Hamad Zaidi, and I'm in Redondo Beach, California. And this is Limping on Cloud Nine. It is, and today we're going to do part two of uh, life decisions, making them, and the, just the forks in the road in life that alter your path. Mm. So let me take everybody back to the late 1990s. In 1997 and 1998, I judged the Flickrfest Film Festival in Sydney, Australia. Mm. So, in which is incredible because it's on Bondi Beach. That's cool. It's, uh, I mean, it's amazing. The festival is actually on the sand. It's, Shark, it's, it's, sharks it's, are jumping out of the water. You know, it's, it's great. Yeah, exactly. No, no, that's <laughs> great. Very, very. Yeah, sharks are jumping out the water. Actually. Jonathan and I did a podcast about my experience of being a judge at that festival. When you go into limpingoncloud9.com, should you want to hear it, just put the word Flickrfest into the search box and it'll come up. So in 98, me and my buddy Steve were asked to be on a panel. Mm. It was in a big auditorium and there were several hundred people there, like five or six hundred people. It was kind of a big thing. And we were discussing film and distribution and independent movies and how to get them financed, how to get them made, blah, 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 right? Yeah. And like most people on the planet, I like being liked. I mean, everyone likes being liked, usually, right? So I wanted to keep everything happy and calm and positive, right? Yeah. And so all my answers were on the positivity side. And then, Jonathan, <laughs> and then... Everyone's like enjoying it, blah, blah, blah. Toward the end of the panel, they said, can you guys give uh, your opinion on just how you see independent filmmaking, just in general, almost like a a lawyer's summation. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah. So all these people do theirs, the others, and then they get to me. And I don't know where this came from, but, man, it it changed the tone of everything. I said... (laughs) I said, so here's my take on independent filmmaking. You have to be, you have to pass the bar to be a lawyer. You have to pass the medical boards to be a doctor. Mm. But anyone that can raise any level of money can call themselves a filmmaker. Right. Yeah. It's just true. Yeah, totally. Everybody gasped like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. Right. Yeah. And then my point was, just because you have the ability to make a movie does not mean you're making a good movie. Right. And I went on to say, everyone makes crappy films. I have myself. Everyone makes something that's not good. That's how you learn. Yeah, yeah. Right? So there's grumbles in the crowd, and I suddenly thought, oh, man, what did I do, man? (laughs) Because this thing's almost over. And all of a sudden, this happy, clapping crowd is kind of groaning. And this woman stands up, and she goes, can I ask you a question? Oh, the other thing, let me, let me back up sure. real quick. Everybody was bashing on the studio system. But by the studio system, everybody, I mean Warner Brothers, Sony, you know, okay. Disney, Paramount. Okay. The movie studios. Right, right. Like all the big right. guy, all the big guys suck and the independence where right. it's at, you know, typical. Everybody was saying that. Everybody was saying all the film studios suck, just like you said, Jonathan. Yeah. 
the smaller the movie, the better. Screw right. the studios. Right. We'd never give it more. Right. Yeah, it's all it's all underground, baby. That's how it is in the music scene. Right. You know? It's all yeah. underground. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So then I said, okay. Somebody in the crowd. I just pointed at a random person. I, this gentleman. And I said, tell me a movie that came out within the last year that you hated. Hated with a capital H. Mm. Right? And I honestly, I forget what movie he said, but, but it was a studio movie. Okay. Right? And he goes, I hated that. And when he said it, everyone kind of chuckled. They're like, yeah, that movie sucked. That was horrible. It was just a popcorn <laughs> Stupid popcorn studio film, yeah, right? Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm the studio. What's your name? And I think his name is Ben or something. I go, hey, hey, Ben, I'd like to give you $3 million to work for 10 weeks to direct this movie. And he's like, no, no way. That movie sucks. I said, okay, after you stop saying that movie sucks, think about the fact that I'm offering you $300,000 a week. <laughs> to do this picture. Yeah. And tell me you wouldn't do it. Right. And then suddenly he started saying, well, I would do it, but only so I could do what I really wanted to do. Mm. Right. Mm. I would take the money to make what I wanted to make and I'd hate doing it. And my point was, listen, you can hate the studios all you want, but that's because you work outside of the system. If a studio asked you to get five or ten million dollars to do one of their movies, you would love the studio system and you would defend it because you'd be a part of it. Right. 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 Yeah. So I said that before I said the whole doctor lawyer filmmaker thing. Okay. Right? Okay. So then this lady stood up and she raised her hand and she goes, "Can I ask Hammond a question?" Hammond. Hey Hammond, how you doing? Hey Hammond. <laughs> right. And, I said, sure. And she goes, before I ask you a question, I just want to say you're a total asshole. Nice. Okay. And I'm like, Honesty. okay. And you know, and I'm on stage with several hundred people and she goes, how can you like the studio system? And I said, I don't like the studio system. I love the studio system. I think, you know what it comes down to me? I'd rather be the producer, writer, director of ET than I would of, uh, you know, a small indie film that wins an Oscar. And the reason is not because you make more money, because if you're starting, you'd get about the same amount of money for both. Yeah. But unless the studio just wanted to pay you a lot. But I said, the difference to me is ET 30 years later still affects a lot of people. People know that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're remembered as opposed to a brilliant genius indie film that wins an Oscar, but doesn't change your, your life financially very much. And after a few years, doesn't even change your career that much. Right. You just became the person that did that really good movie for that one particular year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And both are valid. Both are valid. If I ever make a small movie, if you and I ever make a small movie that wins an Oscar, I'd be thrilled, right? Yeah. But if you ask me, would you rather make a generation-changing film that doesn't win an Oscar or a, a really small film that does, I'd rather make the generation altering movie. I'd rather create Star Wars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so she says that to me and then I say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm just trying to help. And she goes, this is the point of this podcast. She goes, I want to tell you what my husband and I are doing. 
we believe so strongly in our movie, our independent film, mm -hmm. that we have already taken a second mortgage on our house, gotten squeezed money out of our cars, and we're banking everything on this indie film that we're going to make. No, I'm being totally serious. And then I'm like, I go, are you being serious? I go, what happens if you lose, if the movie doesn't make money? And she goes, it will, it will, it will. And I don't want to get into what the movie was about. Yeah. But <laughs> I, there's no way, I can't say there's no way, but it's highly unlikely that, that motion picture would have ever made money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then she says, you're wrong. And her husband was there too, so I don't want to say it's just her because he stood up too. And they were both kind of yelling at me. Sure, yeah. And they were saying that I'm wrong and that they talked to Warner Brothers and they talked to all these studios. And then I said, what exactly did the studios tell you? And they said, well, they told us that, you know, interesting. We'll take a look at the movie when you're done. And so I told them, I said, they're not committing anything to you. They're just telling you that when you've finish the movie, one of their junior people will take a look at it. That's all they're going to do. Right. They're not committing to buy it. Right, right. Right. So they said they'd already done it, and they're going to start shooting in a handful of weeks, and blah, blah, blah. So then I told them, I said, how long have you two been married? And I remember, they said, 14 years. <laughs> I said, you make this movie, you're not going to be married any longer. <laughs> Man. I don't think, and of course, that made them that didn't make them very happy. Right, right. right. <laughs> so I told them, I said, look, the financial stress of losing a house and losing a car and losing all of your money, banking on something that is a one in a million shot to begin with. And what I mean by that is any movie or any band or any album or any artist, it's always a one in a million shot. Even if oh, you're yeah. really one in good, it's a one in a million shot. Yeah, yeah. Don't you think? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's the same way, so, for, same way for musicians, like the same exact thing. It's the same exact thing, man. I mean, you know what I say about musicians, and I'm not one, you are, but I'll tell you this. The bands that make it, some of them aren't, aren't great, but all of them have the it factor. They all right. have presence. There's something about them that works for the mass audience. Yeah, there, there's a charisma behind Yes, individual. absolutely. And it's, right? it's, you know, it's not necessarily always the music itself. Right. Well, it's almost, yeah, I, I won't say never, but it's, it doesn't have to be the music itself. It's how the music is presented. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, like I've said this, and I know how funny this is going to sound, but when I see the Rolling Stones in concert or when I see Paul McCartney in concert, they have just this presence just this amazing ability to control 80,000 people in a football stadium. And, mm. and Roger Waters of Pink Floyd, same thing. Just like when he sings, you're like, all eyes are on them, mm. on him, mm. right? And what's crazy is I saw Katy Perry do uh, the Super Bowl halftime, and then I took my wife and kids to Katy Perry's concert like three, four months ago. Yeah. And she has the same presence. There's something about her where I'm not even a huge, I mean, I like her music, but I, I don't like it as much as I like the Rolling Stones music, obviously. Yeah. But, but she's got presence, man. Yeah. You know, 
she she's got presence when she's on stage. Same thing with Lady Gaga, right? Yeah. So I was just telling them, look, you can have all pieces of the puzzle, and it still doesn't mean your film's going to break through because too many factors have to fall into place for that to happen. Yeah. Right? So then, long story short, what do you think happened? I mean, they, I mean they're already all in, so there's no way they didn't not do it. So they, well, they clearly did it. Yeah. They made the movie. Yeah. And I never heard anything again. Okay. Six or seven years later, I was in New York at um, some film festival or some, like, film group meeting or something, right? Yeah. And this lady comes up to me, and she's, like, totally different, totally, totally, totally different, like, tone. Yeah. And she's like, you're Hamad. And people remember me not because I'm great. It's because I have a disability. <laughs> That's why they remember me. They see me, and they're like, that limping guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And it's funny. My mom's like, they remember you because of your personality. I'm like, mm, I don't know, Mom. <laughs> Wishful thinking. <laughs> Wishful thinking, man. Wishful thinking. So she comes up to me, and I had no clue who she was. Yeah. And she goes, you and I never met, but I heckled you from the crowd. And then I suddenly knew who she was. Okay. Right? Okay, yeah. And she's like, I just want to tell you, we got divorced. Oh, man. That sucks. And I'm like, I'm really sorry to hear that. And she goes, no. You know what? Looking back, I, both of us, we're, we, we still, we're not on bad terms. We still know each other. But she's like, both of us realized that, God, that was a bad decision mm. to risk everything you own on a creative idea. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, it stinks that they got divorced over it, but yeah, it's, uh, well, hopefully they didn't have any kids. Like, I, you know, if I could see you risking stuff like that, you, you know, if you know, if you don't have kids, like if it's just the two of you, fine, put it, put everything in and see what you got, you know, but. Yeah, or if you're going to do it, um, and I'm not saying don't do it. I mean, I've made huge mistakes in my past, right? Yeah. Huge, but if you're going to do it, at least have a plan. Like, if this falls completely apart, what's the next step? Yeah. If we lose our house, if we lose our car, if we lose everything, yeah. what's the next step? Right. We could sit here all day talking about decisions we've made or decisions others have made that have altered the course of their life. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean... I don't. I don't even know why this popped into my head, but when uh, this, this was around the housing boom, and I like essentially refinanced myself out of my house, I was getting like so desperate to try and you know earn money and blah blah blah, and I kept just trying to like refinance my house to put it into like another business idea or whatever, and I was getting so desperate. Like I, I, I don't know if people are familiar with this money, but or with this term, but you can get like hard money loans and. So I, I was finding people that were doing that, and th th this one guy I hooked up with, he uh, we we did a deal. He put like this crazy, like crazy contractual stuff onto my house where like I don't remember all the details, but put it this way, it was such a crazy contractual jinjitsu stuff. The lawyer felt so bad that I even signed the document. He knew how desperate I was. He gave me back like a thousand dollars out of what he got paid to do the contract like the next day really yeah like, <laughs> like he was just like 
basically like you're screwed, man. Like you, you're, if it, it, you know, the se- basically the second I defaulted on one payment, they they basically took over my house, and so, but and so and I did default, and so at, at the time it's like, wow, this sucks, this is terrible, you know. But honestly, if it wasn't for me getting that hard money loan from from this company, and me defaulting and them taking over because they had an interest in getting their money back. Like they didn't want to see my house right. foreclosed. So they actually found, they themselves found a buyer to buy my house just so they could get their 20 grand back. And because of that, my house didn't get foreclosed on. I, I literally sold my house the day before it was supposed to be foreclosed on. Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. And so like, again, like that's an example of just like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be like, Oh, what if this or what if that? It's like, at, at you know the day that we defaulted and they're just like all right a lot's just you know a lot's going to change now blah, blah blah it's like you know within a matter of weeks or months you know not that it was a great decision or an awesome experience because that was the house i grew up in and i lost it and my parents you know gave me the house and they passed away so i feel like a loser but i mean it, it all sort of worked out in the end like i we were able to just well you weren't you you weren't a loser Jonathan you were a loser that does not have a foreclosure on his record right right like we were able to just walk away and like wash our hands of it I mean we didn't really make any money but I mean we got enough money to kind of you know get an apartment like find an apartment you know pay the first and last month rent and all that but we, we yeah but we you, were you are to... omitting you are omitting something major what's that Dude, you're the only blind guy I know that owned two Corvettes at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that, may, maybe that's why I got into some of the financial problems I was in at that time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe so, man. Maybe so. <laughs> that's so funny. All right, man. That's my story for today. You have anything else to add? No, no, that's it. So, yeah, if you guys uh, want to go check, you know, check out the website, go to livingoncloud9.com. Check out Stitcher Radio, um, Google Play, iTunes, uh, all the all those fun places. You can find the podcast there. Don't forget 59 Seconds of Cloud 9. And you can also visit cloud10cameras.com if you're looking for a new digital camera, lens, bag, tripod, any kind of accessories, cloud10cameras.com. Absolutely. You can reach out to us at info at limpingoncloud9.com. And as you know, it is the number nine. And everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. We will talk to you next episode. See ya.